So I think one of Pain Ring's greatest assets is we are very white glove when it comes to implementing payment op- automation or our invoice automation into a client. We walk them through the implementation process. We work with them on getting data out of their ERPs that we need and helping map files properly. It can be a five-day implementation. It could be a 30-day implementation, depending naturally on the size of the company. Welcome, everyone, to Tech by Design, where the Richmond Technology Council takes you to the edge for trending tech and innovation here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Nick Surface, CEO of RVA Tech, along with Alex Satanias, CEO of Shopko. Come join us. Okay. Well, kicking off today, since I finally have my weeks right, uh, we are joined by Norm Crandall. He's the Senior Director of Technology over at Paymering, which is based here in Richmond. Um, They're a tech company in the finance and payment space, and we are so excited to get to talk to him today about how they're using AI, machine learning, and, and just what the future of the industry looks like. Um, so, Norm, do you want to kick us off and just kind of tell us a little bit more about you and, and what you guys do over there? Sure. Um, so, first, I'm happy to join you. Um, I'm happy to share the story of Paymering, um, especially our tech story. Um, so, like you said, I'm the Senior Director of Technology here. I started here uh, 19 months ago, and I actually started as a staff engineer. So, I kind of uh, quickly went from staff engineer to basically running the IT department. Um, over that 19 months. I've been in Richmond about seven years, and I kind of worked at two of the big co-star in Capital One, and I've worked at Qualify within town. I've been One thing I like to share with people is I didn't start in the IT industry as a when I was an adult. Um, I actually served 20 years in the military, in the Army, before kind of coming over to the IT world. I do say I was a geek my whole life. My first commercial software I wrote as a junior in high school, in Turbo Pascal um, way back when, but I was a Russian interpreter for 20 years and then retired and now I do what I love. So I'm excited to be here. My role here is not unlike every other role for like a VP of engineering or VP of technology. Really it revolves around strategy and planning with the executive team, uh, making sure, uh, you know, technology is aligned with the business goals, making sure our team leadership is doing what they need to do, like, making sure we're in an innovative environment, continuous learning, product development with the VP of engineering, and just overall operational excellence, especially with the cloud and making sure our infrastructure supports our growth. So that's kind of my role here at Paymering in the, you know, in the payments automation. That's kind of where we got our roots was payment automation. Now we're more in accounts payable automation as we included invoices into that process. Norm, I think you are our first Russian translator, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I feel like we could have a whole nother episode just on, on your career before this one. <laughs> same, same. I know. <laughs> so it was a uh, it was an exciting career. Um, I got to do a lot of uh, what I call I I did thirteen years of treaty implementation with the Russians. So I spent a lot of time in and out of Eastern Europe. So. <laughs> So one of our one of the guys I work with at Shaco, I believe he was an English major and he lived in Russia for four to six months. So so not years, but um, he had become a translator, Russian to English translator. And he I believe he was out there in the dead of winter. So wrong time, but yeah, enjoyed not it. the right time to be there for sure. It, it gets it gets extremely cold. 
So I had the great fortune. I got to live two years in Moscow working at the embassy. Um, so um, I can tell you it gets really cool. That's crazy. So, so Norm, um, I have a tendency to take these conversations sideways, and, and Lauren's our moderator here, but um, she, she could get me back on track. Before we go into AI, I was reading a really interesting article about fintech and how B2B sales work in the fintech space. I, I, know, I know you said that you've basically grown up or you are a recovering developer that now leads the entire engineering team. But from a business growth perspective, any insights, any struggles, any, any challenges from, from a B2B fintech sales perspective that you could share. Let's start with that and then go into the AI. And, and if, sure. if, 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 you, if you want. I, I think from a sales perspective, um, from the time I've been here, I think one of the challenges is always convincing probably the CFO, right? Um, that the tool you have is worth buying. It's easy to convince like an accounts payable clerk that your tool is great for them. It's going to save them time. I think when you are selling to the CFO, um, the CFO is thinking um, beyond just the simple time savings because he's uh, more, you know, the security concerns. Um, is it really saving us time? How long is the implementation process? Is it going to integrate with my ERP that I'm currently using? So I think those are the challenges when it comes to fintech. It's not just a, here we have this SaaS product, come use it, right? Most companies already, they already have their ERP. So your product has to integrate well with them. Otherwise, why would I use your product if I have to do multiple steps to get the data from your SaaS into my ERP? So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Piggybacking off that question, going into the tech space. So, so how does Paymerang solve or, or basically answer that question? So I think Paymerang's, uh, one of Paymerang's greatest assets is we are very white glove. Um, when it comes to implementing payment op automation or our invoice automation into uh, a client, we walk them through the implementation process. We work with them on getting data out of their ERPs that we need and helping map files properly. And it's, it's a, it can be a five-day implementation. It could be a 30-day implementation, depending naturally on the size of the company. But I think that gives you know, the clients that we're onboarding assurance that what we're doing is going to work. And there's testing involved early on instead of, yes, a great single sign-on, here, use our app, pay us by a credit card, is a great SaaS product. But that hand-holding implementation process and assuring them that when they send us a payment file, that we're going to process their payments properly. And, you know, we've shown them how the system works. We've shown them the verifications we do. We've shown them kind of how we verify vendors they're paying. I think that helps us really sell the product. And, and so last question, and then I'll, I'll learn, just feel free to interrupt me, but I, I love this space. Um, for the sake of this next question, let's pretend I work at a service company um, that, that provides and builds awesome mobile applications. So, so just, just follow me here for a second. But um, do you guys work with, with uh, like, what's, what's your ideal target client? Like, who, who, who do you work with? And do you guys work in the service space? like for, from an invoice automation, payment automation perspective? So I would say we would we work in, uh, I think there's 12 verticals we work in. Um, I don't think we shun any client whatsoever. If we can work with you to get your invoices and make your payments, you know, we're really looking for that medium-sized client. We have certain spin levels we like to see because at a certain point, there's no benefit, right? We do look to the enterprise. We um, enjoy enterprise clients as well. And we really are kind of K-12, private K-12 base, hospitality base, the healthcare base. 
but we do have like the manufacturing and the construction verticals as well. Um, there's a total of public sector we do. So for us, it's really a lot around spend because that's where, you know, um, if the spend's too low, it's just not worth, you know, the business for us. But I don't think we would ever tell a, a client, let's not look and see how we can help you. And, and I think on that note, like one of the things that I find challenging, interesting and, and fun about the service space is the variability in invoicing. And I'm wondering, and, and this is kind of my hand back to, to Lauren here, but like, I'm wondering if that's where AI comes in, right? It's kind of managing that variability in invoicing. And I don't know how much you could share about how Paymerang's using AI to, to support this process. Sure, absolutely. So it's interesting, invoice automation is um, currently where we actually have AI, right? Now, our AI, I'm going to call it to be, you know, it's provided by AWS, Naturally, um, you know, intelligent document processing, um, being able to extract forms of various types, and a lot of that's invoices. Extracting that data, storing that data, using that data to help predict, you know, what GL codes um, the company is going to charge a certain invoice to or a line item to. We also do PO matching against invoices. Um, Two-way and three-way PO matching is very, very popular because just because I got an invoice, if I have a PO that I need to match, you know, did I get the right quantity? Was I missing one? And being able to review that and have that, that's there. I will say that, you know, our 2024 um, plan is really to embrace a lot more um, AI as generative AI has really started to come on and the ability, and I would say some of the cloud providers like Google Cloud, AWS, their their offerings around document AI have just gotten so much better over the last year where I don't need to go look for data scientists anymore. I just can use their platform to start tagging documents and building models right within their platform without having to have, you know, a data scientist or the machine learning engineer sitting there. Like we can do that as engineers today, where two years ago, if you didn't have the data scientists or the machine learning engineers on your team, it was much harder to do that. One of the things like we've really been looking at or I've been looking at is, um, you know, Google Cloud's document AI is just transformative on being able to do intelligent document processing. And if you look at their document warehouse AI, where store a document in their warehouse and you get generative AI free on top of that, right? Nothing that an engineer has to do other than call an API. Um, that's transformational for many businesses, not just in the financial sector. Norm, what else is on your horizon in terms of just edge technology? Is there anything else y'all are looking at? Is there anything with y'all being fintech? Is there anything in the cyberspace that you're really sensitive to? You know, what else is on your horizon in terms of your, your main dashboard that you're looking at? From I, I would think from a, like a cyber, uh, I will talk about cybersecurity a lot because of the fintech world we live in. And just kind of every day, you know, the biggest one recent was MGM and the ransomware and being stuck. You know, our clients depend on us for to pay their bills. Um, so for us, cyber, and protect their data. So cybersecurity for us is like paramount. And naturally, for me, cybersecurity, yeah, it starts with all the great um, perimeter-based detection systems and alerting systems. But Paymering has a great internal um, training program for people. Um, you know, people are generally where the problem happens. You can have all the greatest alerting systems in the world, but if you have that one person who clicks the wrong link in the wrong email, 
all of those systems are now compromised and it doesn't matter. So we have a very robust training program with our internal folks to make sure they can recognize when a vendor is being impersonated. Like there's nothing worse than paying the wrong vendor because someone was impersonating a vendor or when a duplicate fraud invoice comes through and recognizing. So our system can recognize duplicate fraud invoices. So that's one of the things. But I think as we move farther along, it's getting into things like predictive analysis, helping, you know, the CFO and the finance, um, you know, organizations understand their spend, be a little more using all the data we're collecting to help them understand, you know, is there a vendor in their area that actually charges less for something they're already paying for, right? And help them understand, you know, John's landscaping is much cheaper than Jim's landscaping. Maybe you want to do that. Um, Developing supplier portals, um, you know, being able to have the supplier send the invoice to a supplier portal for one of our clients and also get the reconciliation back and see those payments. Those are all kind of things on the horizon that will, you know, at you know the the fintech automated um, accounts payable world, you know the competitors are everywhere now. And staying ahead of that and being able to provide those extra, like what I call incremental pieces on top of just an invoice workflow. You know, approving an invoice is great, but telling me that this line item you paid ten dollars for last month, you're now paying fifteen dollars for. Like those are insights to give, and I often compare it to all of us have auto insurance. We just blindly renew it, right, year after year, and we never pay attention that year after year it just keeps creeping up on us, right? And we don't recognize that three years later, all of a sudden we're paying $600 more. So being able to give customers that insight rapidly, like, hey, this subscription that you paid last month was $10 is now $15. You might want to start looking and figuring that out. So really digging into a lot of that over the next year or two, that's where we're kind of headed, Nick. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. It, I mean, people use artificial intelligence or generative AI or, or predictive AI, but it's just it's it's just smart insights. It's smart data um, that you're kind of making people aware of. And and I see that more and more. I don't know about you, Alex, but it, in kind of the fintech stuff that I use day to day, the more analysis or alerts, I guess I would say, are starting to pop up more and more. And it's, it's helpful. It's refreshing to see. Uh, it's probably saving me money left and right. Yeah. Actually, Nick, I was going to go. I was going to go there too. But um, Norm or Nick or Lauren, one of the questions that I've been asked lately is, how do you differentiate um, regression analysis, like just basically like pure financials uh, or statistical analysis, from ML, from AI or general AI, from essentially generative AI? And and so maybe you could pick one or two. But a lot of times we're simply doing a regression analysis to understand to to essentially predict the future. Whereas other times we're actually using machine learning and other times we're actually using generative AI. And we have, I have seen a tendency to lump all three basically together uh, with more stuff. But how do you guys differentiate a payment? Um, I, I think it's an interesting question too. Uh, last month, I actually did a course um, with um, Ali Miller. I don't know if you know her. She's a very cool. big voice on AI on LinkedIn. And it was yeah. AI for business. Cool. And this was one of her big topics was um, being careful not to uh, just say um, we're going to implement generative AI, right? Because generative AI is such a different category than AI or machine learning. And, you know, one of her biggest takeaways of the course was we often look at the cool toy and we try and, you know, develop something with it, but there's no job to be done, right? So everyone's 
like, hey, we need generative AI in our systems, but we're trying to make up something for that generative AI to be useful when it doesn't exist, when actually simple machine learning is really what we're after. I, I use fraud as a big example. Like fraud is not a generative AI topic. Um, it is a machine learning thing of looking at the past, understanding you know, what a client was paying and kind of using that machine learning to say, does this payment match what was being paid previously? And even then, do you even need machine learning? It could just be rules-based. Um, so it's really um, her, her take, and I think it's kind of what we're doing, is really looking for the job to be done and not looking to just say, let's implement generative AI because it's the newest thing on the block, right? Um, and really making sure we're, we're investing properly. If AI works and machine learning works, then let's use those instead of generative AI. Um, you know, training these large language models takes time. Having the data to do it takes time. Yeah, we can use some pre-trained models that are already there, but at the same time, we have some very focused data that we would wind up having to train it ourselves. So I think I differentiate it with, I call generative AI, I'm going to ask a question, it's going to use data it knows to respond to me with some sort of um, hopefully correct answer, right? Because it's not always correct. Um, machine learning, I'm going to train it based on a lot of data I have to have it predict whether this thing falls within that category, right? And, and then I think AI is kind of the both of them combined. Um, you know, they both fall under AI. What's the name of this course? I'd love to share it on, on LinkedIn and um, it's, it's AI for business. Um, that's, that's the name of it. It's on Maven. It's a, it's a four day course. Um, it's not even four days. It's four different days for about a two hour session each. Um, she had some, uh, the COO of open AI was a, a speaker. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, the guy who invented Siri actually back in the 1990s, um, he was one of the speakers, but, her methodology of going about um, the whole course is around discovering what it is you can do to start using, you know, AI in your business. What's the use case? And really being definitive around, you know, a lot of companies try and build that thing that's going to take a year. And she's very, start with something small, take something that's going to take you two months and get momentum going. And she's also very clear on saying things like, you know, using AI in your business doesn't have to be developed in your business. And she brings up um, fireflies.ai, right? Fireflies.ai is a great um, transcriber of meetings. Um, so it uses AI. At the end, it sends every participant a summary, and it pulls all the action items that were talked about out of the meeting. So if you have 10 people in a meeting, now you don't have 10 people taking notes. You have one set of notes getting distributed to the 10 people, and there isn't any confusion, right? Because I took a note. And she uses that as like, hey, maybe that's where you start. Maybe you use something that already exists in your, you know, to say we're using AI. It doesn't always have to be a build to, to get AI into your company. Norm, I know we're coming up on time, but one of the things that we always like to do is just talk about how our guests and their companies tie into the Richmond tech scene and kind of like, what they like about it, what sets it apart. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Sure. Um, I, I think Pamering ties into the tech scene um, as, uh, I want to say, a newcomer, even though the company has been around 13 years. I'm pretty sure you could uh, walk down the street and find a lot of engineers who've never heard of Pamering. Um, even though we, we have a collection of 40 engineers uh, sitting around right outside my door writing uh, great code every day. 
right, and, and doing great work. I think we have been a very big proponent of hiring from boot camps. 75% of the developers here um, came out of the, uh, the Richmond, really University of Richmond boot camp. We believe in, you know, we don't have to have senior uh, engineers. We believe in bringing folks in, um, giving them great mentors, and, and bringing them up through the industry, right? Um, unlike, you know, it's hard, today it's even harder with all the, I would say, people on the market to find a company still willing to go hire entry-level folks, right? There's a lot of senior people on the market. So it's easy just to go, well, I'm going to go hire the senior guys. We still believe in bringing an entry-level person in, giving them great mentorship, um, teaching them the ropes, and, and really making them productive. We know 50% of them, they're going to hit the two-year mark, and the recruiters are going to come a-calling because that's what happens on LinkedIn, right? You get that two years of experience, and now everyone will talk to you. Um, so we recognize we're going to lose that. But we're okay recognizing that we're creating that next generation of engineers out there to help basically rich men. Um, so I think having joined, we recently joined RVA Tech. That is helping us become much more um, known within the, the community. Um, we haven't done as much as we should within RVA Tech. I've been saying we need to get out there more. Um, it's just finding the time and getting the right people there. Um, but we want to be involved in the tech you know, community here. It's just, um, I showed up 19 months ago and there was no community involvement in the tech world. There was community involvement with you know, doing charitable things and things like that. But from a tech, like, I'll be honest, when my boss who called me, who got, um, who got me to come work here, said, come work for Pamerang, I didn't know Pamerang. I had no idea who Pamerang was. So, um, but after coming, I discovered if we let people know who we are, we are a great company with a great culture to work at. I mean, we, uh, people come to work every day with moving the company forward. Um, it, we, we don't have egos. We're very collaborative. Everybody is very, very helpful because when you have, you know, entry-level folks as your majority, if you don't have a teamwork environment, a collaborative environment where it's a continuous learning, helping each other understand what we're doing, then the whole system of how we built the place would fall apart, right? Love that answer. <laughs> okay, well, I think that we're going to all have to jump now, but Norm, this has okay. been an awesome conversation and a great chance to talk to you and learn more about what's going awesome. on at Paymering. Thank you so much again for joining us. Yep. I thank all of you for having me. And Norm, hope to see you out at more RVA Tech events in the near future. Yes, absolutely. I will try and get out more. <laughs>